Chris Miles was able to retire twice by the time he was 39 years old. But he's not content to just enjoy his own financial freedom and peace of mind. Chris wants you to have your own ripple effect so you can live free today. He's not the financial advisor you expected. He's the anti-financial advisor you deserve. He's jumping behind the mic right now, ready to make waves. Here's Chris Miles. Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Welcome to our show. It's for you, those that work so freaking hard for your money, and you're ready for your money to start working harder for you right now. You want that freedom and cash flow today, not 30 or 40 billion years from now, but you want it right now so you can live that life that you love with those that you love. But most importantly, guys, it's not just about getting rich, is it? It's about living a rich life because as you are blessed financially, you have the greater capacity to bless the lives of those around you, whether it be in your family or in your communities or across the world. That is exactly the ripple effect we're here to create. Thank you so much for allowing me to create a ripple effect for you guys. Appreciate you guys. You've been binging on these episodes. You've been sharing them. Heck, you guys have been binging on the shorts, which I love too, because I love the fact that you guys have short attention spans. You're still going through those too. So thank you so much for tuning in because we couldn't do create this ripple effect without you guys. As a reminder, if you haven't done so, speaking of our channel, if you're already subscribed to our Money Ripples channel, go and check out the Money Ripples podcast channel. Most likely, though, if you're watching this podcast, you're probably already subscribed to this channel or should be. Go check out the Money Ripples channel as well if you want more education to go beyond what we just talked about here on this podcast. Hey, are you looking for another great podcast to listen to? One about investing and not only just investing, but learning about cool deals like investing in apartments that does not require you to have to be an accredited investor or have a million dollars. Hey, if you want to check that out, go check out my friend Lane Kawaoka's site, simplepassivecashflow.com. He's got a great podcast also called Simple Passive Cash Flow that you can check out on YouTube, iTunes, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. If you want some great education and to learn about great ways to invest in other types of deals without, again, needing a ton of money, check it out, simplepassivecashflow.com or look up Simple Passive Cash Flow on YouTube or your podcast app. Check it out. All right, guys. So I brought two friends on here today, two friends actually that I spoke with live and many of you guys had reached out saying, oh man, I don't live in Utah. I want to be able to see what this is all about. I love learning about passive income. And some of you guys have already been listening to this podcast for years and you still want more, right? So I'm bringing on today, Rob and Nicole Fuller, both of them are with ROI Property Group. And man, guys, I got to tell you, like, it's pretty impressive that the operation they have because we get a lot of people coming on here that might talk about some syndicated type of deals, like with apartment buildings. They might talk about self-storage or anything in between. But these guys do actual like, ground development all the way to rent. It's like even pre-build to rent type of homes that they do. Massive, massive projects. And uh, crazy thing is, I didn't even realize they literally office like 20 minutes from my house. So, I mean, these guys are literally in my backyard. And sadly, it takes other people to introduce us to get together. But really excited to have them on here today, talk about what they're dealing with, and really kind of ask them maybe some of the harder questions about, especially with the way the real estate game is going right now, there's a lot of uncertainty Love to kind of hear about what they're doing with their fund that where they're paying right now double digit returns. So, Rob, Nicole, welcome to our show today. Thanks so much, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good to be here. So, absolutely. So, tell us a little bit about your backstory because I know you have a very interesting backstory I didn't know about until just a few weeks ago. But tell us more about the two of you. Oh, man. So, Rob and I met in college, got married, and then 
Rob was actually pre-med originally, planning on going to med school. He had interviews lined up at five different schools. He went out to his first interview. And when he came home, he said, would you be mad if I don't go to medical school? And I had said all along, I didn't think that was his passion. He's always loved real estate. Ever since I knew him, he talked about real estate. He studied real estate. He wanted to learn more about it. So when he said, I'm not going to head to medical school, I said, oh, good. You finally figured it out. Now we can move on with the rest of our lives. So we actually started investing in real estate pretty quickly mm-hmm. early on in our marriage. Um, back in 2009, I had a little bit of money in the stock market and we got kind of creative to get the rest of the cash that we needed in order to buy a tape of properties from a bank. So we started with 13 properties that were scattered all over the US. We found contractors in those areas, got the houses fixed up and then got renters in them. We held on to some so that we had monthly cash flow and then we sold others so that we could then start the process again. And we built a pretty big fix and flip business. At one point we were doing between 30 and 40 homes a month and we loved it. We enjoyed it. We kept our day jobs for the most part. I was raising babies. He was working (laughs) and doing real estate on the side. He commuted a lot for a number of years. And so he'd leave at 5 a.m. making phone calls. We had a lot of properties on the the East Coast. We were in California at the time. But in 2015, it started getting harder to find good deals on single family homes. And we didn't necessarily want to be in fix and flip forever. Development was always interesting to us. And so we started really looking at what it took to buy raw land and take raw land all the way through development. And so we kind of switched gears 2016 or 2017 is when we closed on our first big land acquisition. It was 830 acres in Colorado Springs. And we completely transitioned to development and we've got 17 development projects in our pipeline. And that's what we focus on now is real estate development. And yeah, yeah, it's kind of the background. <laughs> now, Nicole, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to go back to what you were just talking about here too, but I want to go back, rewind a little bit farther back. But I mean, I would say probably at least 99% of wives would say, no, go to medical school. Are you idiot? Like, come on. Are you crazy? <laughs> what are you thinking? Like trying to quit this path that we already know is should be the sure thing to go yeah. do something like real estate investing. How can you even do that? Like, I would imagine most women would not be that supportive. Oh, no, I think I've been very supportive. I think I am naturally entrepreneurial minded, which works well to be yeah. married to a serial entrepreneur. Well, the other thing is too, Nicole's never been passive. That's not really her personality. She's mm-hmm. always been involved from the beginning. It was her money when we started that we were able to start buying some of these initial homes she'd had from an uncle who had passed. And she's been involved in the business from day one. So it wasn't like my business. It was our yeah. business. When we were doing fix and flip stuff, she did more design stuff. And then as we've done more development, she still is involved in that, but there's less of that because you're building four to six homes, floor plans, Right. In a community, you know, 20 times each. So a lot of it now is she actually works with most of our investors to she's more likable than I am anyway. But uh, we'll get geeked out. You've been with me where I where I talk about things that put most people to sleep. So that was one thing that surprised me because when we first met, we were at lunch. You you struck me as much more that visionary kind of guy, like the stereotypical CEO. But then getting to know you more, I realized that definitely Nicole was like, from day one, I could tell like, okay, she's definitely the relationship person. Like you could tell that that's her thing. But then with you, I noticed you're pretty nerdy about this. You're not just visionary. Like I'm just here to lead the company and I'm not into the details. You get really into the details. I was surprised how much you got into those details, the weeds. Oh, the stuff that is in that man's head. It's 
amazing. I always tease him because he has forgotten to pick up children before, but he could tell you every number, every address, every statistic, like just his mind is a beautiful thing, but it can be frustrating. (laughs) For me as well. You know, you think, oh, goodness, how could I forget this thing that's so important? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fortunately, our kids are it was schooled uh, two minutes from my office at our old office down here. So it's <laughs> pretty some easy decisions, makes it a lot easier to get past some yeah, of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was not part of your normal schedule. No. So, <laughs> and it didn't happen regularly. No. So, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's right. That's important. We don't want you to drop your kids off, but you want to make sure they get home too. That's right. always important. Exactly. Right? That's do, right. do the pickup. Anyway. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, tell us more like, cause you guys made this transition, right? And so it's relatively recent, but it's not either. Like you guys are starting to see some changes happen in the marketplace. And I know in my personal experience, like when I've seen people say I do development, I'm thinking, all right, good luck. <laughs> Have fun with that because that's long-term thing. That's not like a quick, easy thing. And the longer the term, the higher the risk. Yeah. So what are the things you guys have done and learned over the years that's kind of lessened your risk in doing this kind of this strategy? Well, one of the things that we've done, I don't know if I'm to no, speak up, but for a long time, we kept our day jobs, as Nicole said it, for quite a while. And we just rolled our own profits and equity yeah. forward for a long time. I, I don't think we really even took investors until 2015, 2016. And then even then we kind of took a break for a little bit. And then we've kind of just recently revamped that and started bringing investors on again. And partly that was, it allowed us to kind of build our own net worth by rolling our own equity in. And then part of the reason the transition back to investors, frankly, is because of the bank turmoil. I saw in the pandemic when things were going pretty well, lenders were lending and then the pandemic Mm -hmm. happened, boom. They all stopped. It it wasn't about just writing loans. It was a matter of if you even already had a loan, they stopped funding it. Yeah. In anything, whether you're building a house, renovating a home, developing land, if you have a commitment and people are out there working and then they don't get paid, they get upset. And so that put, fortunately, my relationships and the lending we had, that didn't ever happen to us, but I did see it happen to a lot of people. And it came back in the summer of 2020. Even then, banks and debt funds were still kind of trepidatious. They weren't sure where things were going to go. And then it went hog wild, right? And everything was great for a year. And then things inflation and all that. I'm sure you talk about people with uh, about that with people all the time. But what we didn't want to do was get caught up in a situation where we we were going to be stuck with like banks who stopped, right? Yeah. I mean, we have bank relationships that even recently we were going to close on a loan that bank just decided, hey, our deposits are where we want them to be. And we don't want to extend any more loans in case something happens like SVB or one of these other banks where deposits go down and we are overextended and the FDIC shuts us down or, you know, all those kinds of things, First Republic, all that. So we just decided we'd raise our own debt fund. So that's essentially what we've done is just started raising our own money so that we can continue. Because like you said, it is a long-term thing. Some of these debt providers look what's happening this month or next month. Whereas we're looking at projects that are, one that Nicole mentioned, Saddlehorn Ranch is out in Colorado Springs and we have homes being built there, but that those homes being built and sold to retail buyers is something that might take five years. And we were profitable much earlier than that, you know, two years in kind of thing of selling homes, but those take time to sell. Now, traditionally we sell build to rent. That's a unique product for that because that's a a sold to a consumer type of product. But even the buyers that we have are are very even keeled and aren't as disturbed by the changes in the market. Pritium is a big one that we've have relationships with and Asia Pacific land. And there's a number of them that buy these entire communities and they look at it in the long end. Now, 
do rates affect them? Sure, but it's not the same way that it affects uh, the average home buyer. So, and those timelines do shorten because we can sell a whole entire neighborhood to one buyer and they're renting it out, you know, renting it all out. So, because of that, there's a risk mitigation, which kind of brings it back to your question because even if people aren't buying homes, they still have to have some place to live. And we're seeing baby boomers move out of their bigger homes to not have to maintain yards and things like that. And they're moving into rentals in these communities. The flexibility of being able to leave if they want to leave, go somewhere different. Yeah. Yeah. Millennials are getting out of the apartments and into homes. They're having kids or dogs or whatever. So they want to be into a home. I mean, you have people who get divorces and the spouses go separate ways. They both have to have a place. There's still a group of people who don't want to necessarily live in an apartment. They may not want a big house or can't afford a big house. And so they're going into these I would call they're typically what might be considered a starter home, but many of the starter homes now are basically being rental, yeah, being used as rentals today. So yeah, that's important to understand because really, I brought it up actually in a recent episode on this podcast. It's kind of serendipitous actually because I brought up my eight questions that I teach all of our clients, and here's how you kind of score an opportunity when you're looking at it. And one of them, of course, is like looking at the market. Is there actually demand for this investment? And if we learn anything from the last recession, the worst thing is when everybody's trying to buy McMansions to try to turn and flip, make big profits on them. But once credit tightened up, nobody could hardly afford. The markets got a lot smaller versus those that had smaller, lower price rentals. That might seem like bullet hole, $10,000 type homes, right? But I mean, yeah. like ones that are right about medium price or just under that, those ones were still selling very strong. They held their values and their rents were really strong too. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's kind of a similar model. What you're trying to do here too, is you're trying to fit that demand that everything's moving towards. Yeah. Cause oftentimes when you have a higher priced home, those people, there was already only a, a small tier of people that could afford them. And when mm-hmm. that crunches that group of people, now they're not buying $1.2 million homes. Now they're buying a million. The people who are buying a million are now buying 850,000 people that were buying 850 are now buying 600 or whatever it is. So it just yeah. changes the dynamic of everything. So yeah, being in the place where most of our homes are going to be around that median home price or below as far as renting them out. We do have the one neighborhood with big million dollar homes, but we bought that land relatively inexpensive and that wasn't the intention from the start. So most of our build to rent projects are exactly like what you're saying. They're they're designed for the average everyday person who needs a place to live and can afford what we have on the market. And you mentioned too, like with banks, like do you do any lending with banks or are you primarily just using investors' money to be the lenders, to be the bank for you? No, we have some banks that we work with. Mm-hmm. Bank of Colorado is one of them. We've got a couple other debt funds that we've worked with for years that still lend to us and are still lending money. Those are deep relationships. And then your traditional debt fund that's then turning around and selling those loans, which is what happens to a lot of them. They'll generate a loan and then they'll sell it. One of the big ones that we have is anchor loans and that they've been in business for a long time. We've been borrowing from them for 10 years. Like short-term, long-term borrowing? or Oh, that's short-term. Yeah. Short-term. Yeah. So even if interest rates go up, is that still priced in so that you guys can still maneuver and change and yeah those are designed mostly for construction and renovation loans so those are a year to two year loans typically gotcha and then after that you get refinanced out of them yeah we'll put them on a bridge or with some communities we'll put it to long-term debt financing with like hud which is still lending. government lending still lends those are a pretty safe place to be so unlike some of our other friends have you had an okay time still transitioning even with all the changes in the banks and a lot of them especially not wanting to do commercial anymore Yeah. We closed the loan in January with Bank of Colorado at 6.75% or 6.7%, 75% loan to cost. Uh, We're doing a development using their financing and it's great. On the flip side, we have had, like I mentioned, the one that backed out. And that happens, unfortunately, more and more as credit market is changing constantly. So, but that's why we're trying to go away from that, do our own debt fund. 
right? Raising yeah. money. Yeah, there's always got to be another way around that kind mm-hmm. of system, isn't there? Yeah. yeah, in my opinion, problems with banking system anyway, because if you can borrow it, they can get a dollar deposit and lend 10. Yeah. How long does that last for? Right. Whereas we, we borrow a dollar, we spend a dollar, uh-huh. right? And that seems like a more reasonable path to execution long-term. And so I don't know how they maintain that, but I guess just with the government guarantee and promise behind them. Yeah. Well, and, and I know a lot of people are concerned, like, you know, do you just borrow people's money and just use it all? Just use everybody's OPM or... Are you putting your own money in this too? We've got a lot of our own money yeah. in. And we skin sh- in the game. <laughs> we share our financials with people when they come talk to us. Yeah. So typically broadcast on a podcast, but we yeah, have we got the screen share all ready for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we share those financials and and we've got substantial amount of our own money and equity in these deals. That's great. Well, and I know a big question I get from our own clients that are asking about this after they've talked with you or seen you present. A lot of them will say, okay, how can they afford to pay such great returns to investors, you know, as being the borrower or being the lenders in that sense, but at the same time, still like do these huge development projects? Like, how do you still keep the cash flow coming in? And what's your response to them about that? Because obviously, I know you got a mixture of portfolio, but how do you make sure you can always service the debt and keep paying investors? So traditionally, whether it's a debt fund or a bank that we've used in the past, they always have an interest reserve built in. And part of the reason they do that is just to make sure that because people are absolutely right. When you're putting pipes in the ground and street in, there's no rent coming in. Right. So we build in an interest reserve so that we can pay mortgages to individuals. We can pay the investors while that's ongoing. So we build that into our pro forma. We, we show, okay, if we have this much in interest that we're going to pay, we need to raise this much money, then we can pay that in the interest to the investors. And then you know, we have our own projects. This We'll see how everything goes, but we've got a number of our own homes and not our own homes, but projects that we're working on that we're sell that we'll be selling over the next call it six months. And as those sell, that revenue comes in and it's used to pay distributions and things like that. So that becomes part of our interest reserves so that yeah. we have that money available. Right. Even when you turn around and sell them too? Mm-hmm. We sell the units, yeah, because we'll we'll have the principal that gets returned and then the profit that comes in as well. Yeah. We pretty much just stick all of the revenue that we make back into the fund. So that's why when you ask how much we have, it's north of $10 million. Like I can share that happily and easily, but it's the exact amount we'll share financials with people when they come talk to us. But we've got a fair amount of skin in the game. So yeah. And one of the things about it too is with us being in it, our money gets lost first, if there's ever any losses, right? And so we are pretty selective about what we take on. We haven't taken on really new projects in the past eight months. Yeah, since August, we kind of stopped. Yeah. We've got a lot on our plate, a lot in our pipeline. So, Mm -hmm. And we can always like put some on pause, right? Like we've got some that we own that, you know, we don't have any interest payments or anything like that, right? We own 640 acres without any interest. And we own 1800 acres without any, because we own the land with cash. So there's no mortgage or anything like that. Those projects are both be big projects in Colorado Springs and be over 10,000 units between the two of them. That's a 15 year plan, right? That's not something that's happening next year. So those are big projects that'll span a number of years. I like hearing that because I was speaking with another operator recently too. And he said, he's like, I'll be honest, I haven't had a new deal in eight months. And I said, that's one of the best things you could have told me. Because <laughs> the thing that always worries me is that when people say, oh, you pay great returns and they keep wanting to give you money, much like money managers, right? When money managers keep getting money thrown at them, they have to figure out a way to deploy it. Right. Where when you hear got people like you say this, like, hey, we haven't had any new projects. Really, you know, we can take some new money, but we're going to be 
pretty picky and choosy about this and we're going to be very picky and choosy about the projects we go into, we may not be investing this or we may have to hold off because it's not fit in our buy box right. that we have for meeting our criteria. That to me is a, a huge trust builder because right. I don't want you just to buy anything just because you have the money for it or because there's demand for it. Like a lot of mutual funds do and REITs and things like that. You yeah. actually buy things because it makes sense, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And with what we have on our plate right now and just the credit market has, has been brought up or it's brought up by many people just until we understand what's happening with that as well. We, our intention is to continue to hold off. And unless there's something that's just so golden, we don't anticipate doing anything yeah. right now as far as picking up any new projects. It sounds like it's a project you already have. There's already a lot of development, a lot more costs are going into those anyways, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. What are some other common questions you hear? Like, I know you recently had you spoke with an attorney today, pleasant conversation because you were already guilty until proven innocent. But what were some of the results from that conversation? Speaking with attorneys is fine. We talk to them all the time. I some say, of our most, biggest investors are attorneys. Yeah. And most of them aren't aggressively coming at us. They're just looking at security. They're looking at how are my clients secured? What really is, I mean, he did dug into your background, your yeah. sales background and different jobs that you've had and just different LLCs that we've owned, which all is public record. I mean, that's yeah. where he found everything. Yeah. Nothing right. hiding. He's a litigation attorney down in California. And I like the guy a lot, actually. He's, uh-huh. really, no, he's uh, great. really pleasant to, even when you're coming and asking questions, there's a way that you can be cordial. Right? Yeah. He did a very good yeah. job of that, doing due diligence for his client. And I would say a number of our bigger clients are actually attorneys. My single largest client went to Yale Laws, got 18 million with us right now. He's a super smart guy. He practiced securities law, retired when he was 42 from that and has been investing in real estate for the last 20 years. So he's seasoned. He knows his way around real estate investments and he's been investing with us for eight years, nine years at this point. I mean, a lot of real estate is kind of understanding the operator. I mean, documents are important. This last guy brought up some of the people he knew that went from zero to hero back down to zero and there's uh-huh. a recession, right? Because of everything that happened. And, and the reality of it is that that can happen. And so just being, knowing what you're going into, there's no guarantees, right? but I, I feel like most of ours are relatively, I would say they're well positioned because they're going to be rental communities. We already have takeouts planned with HUD where HUD comes in and finances, we already have term sheets from them where they take out 98% of all the costs. And of course, some of those things can change. But if HUD comes in and, and finances out 98% of all the costs, then the investors taken out at that point, seems like that's a really easy transition, right? And got a few of those projects. And so most of ours feel really good that way. And we also have the ability to sell a number of them. We also, because they're individual single family lots, we could sell individual homes. We can sell individual lots. We can sell bulks of lots to DR Horton and so on and so forth. And we do have some that we consider doing that with periodically. And we will sell some when we have an offer that comes in, right? My, everything's for sale. Our job is to make money for ourselves and for our investors. They would say, well, not everybody says this, but I would usually say the deal of a lifetime comes every week because people always come at us with like, oh, this deal is unbelievable. You'll never see anything like it ever again. And you've been in this and you've been serious long enough. I can say no to a deal today and see something exactly like it or way better next week. And if we have to pass on some because they're, we just don't have the ability to do something, that happens. But guess yeah. what? A deal is good or better next week or next month or in six months, just a matter of time. So That's we're right. pretty comfortable and confident 
to what we're doing. I'm going to ask this question before I kind of ask why I feel like there's some of the most important questions here. And I appreciate you guys being open and honest. Uh, and as a reminder, everybody, of course, we're not giving recommendations. You guys go and put money with these people just because they're on our podcast. Doesn't mean we're sponsoring them this way or anything like that. But really the question I want to ask before I ask these other questions is first, if people want to get a hold of you, they want to see more about this, especially because I know you guys pay a very healthy return on your fund. Well, how would they do that? Best is just to email me, Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E at ROIpropertygroup.com. And then I'll reach out and we'll get something scheduled and we'll do a one-on-one call. So it's the easiest. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also, I mean, on our website, you can actually, if you go to ROIpropertygroup.com, there is a form submission link there as well. And that comes to myself and Mackenzie and I think one other person on our mm-hmm. team. So that's also an option. And you can even see some of the projects you guys have been working on too. Yeah. Yeah. We every month update each of the projects, typically with drone footage and photos. It's moving. Sometimes dirt's not moving. So those pictures aren't going to change, but there's always written text as well about the changes and updates on each of the projects. I yeah, love it. I love share, so much. share some of that if, but you've disabled that, but it, it, they can go on. Yeah. It's on projects, but it, yeah. anyway, some yeah, neat stuff. Check, right. check that out for sure. Yeah. So big question for you guys. And I'll start with you, Nicole, is why? Like, why do you like doing this business and this kind of real estate investing, particularly where it's kind of a niched deal? What is it that drives you to want to keep doing this? Man, I think it's challenging. Rob often says, if you're a real estate developer, you're really just a problem solver because you are constantly presented with the engineer gets back to us and says, oh, the way we have it, it's not going to work. So I guess we're not doing it. And Rob's like, No, now we figure out how we do it. My side of the business is the relationship side. I get to work with our investors, our private lenders and individuals. I really like people. I really love that we get to pay a high return to individuals as opposed to banks. You talked in the beginning about the ripple effect and... That immediately I thought, oh, we're the same in that because we really, really love to give back. We actually were just on a trip in Fiji and we got to go tour a a local village and meet like the spokesperson of the village and tour their school, tour their church, do like a kava ceremony with them. And when we left, we decided typically when we travel, we find a service opportunity, a way to give in some way to the local area that we're at. So we decided on a dollar amount that we wanted to give to this village to help them with whatever they needed help with. And since being back, we've only been back for about five days now, but the number of phone calls and text messages, like our WhatsApp is always going because these people are so appreciative for what we were able to do for them. And I'm just immediately like, we have family in Fiji now, and we've got to go back and take care of these people. This job and this lifestyle allows me to really do what I want to do, which is take care of as many people as humanly possible. We are in the process of setting up charitable organization, but it has expanded our world in a way that I don't, you know, I just don't think is always possible with your nine to five job. I like the constant change, the constant needing to learn something new. I like the new connections that we make with other individuals. And it's really fun for me in particular, when I had really young kids and I was doing the design, I actually got to see something. You raise kids and that's the most important job. And I love it. I love being a mom. It is my number one, but you can't always see the result of all of the hours of hard work that you do. But when I got to design houses, I actually got to see a result of my work. And then as it's transitioned into development, 
again, I do most of the fun, not most of it, but I do a lot of fundraising and working with our investors. And so I get to develop those relationships. We've got phenomenal investors. I got a text message the other day from one of our investors. She was just checking on our son because she knew he had been sick. And it's just, it's the relationships and the life that really this business has created for us. And I love it. And people ask us, well, when you retire and we automatically go, do you retire from something that you love or do you just keep going? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I love it. That's great. It's cool. You kind of mentioned that because I forgot that's kind of what we try to do every snowbird trip. So try to do the same thing as like, how can we give back to that community or that area or to one individual or something? Exactly. Yeah. Your next snowbird trip should be to Fiji. We'll introduce you. Go to Fiji. It's phenomenal. The people there are amazing. Amazing. Never been, but that sounds awesome. We had neither. Yeah. Yeah, It's fantastic. Very good people. Yeah. Yeah. How about for you, Rob? What do I love about it? I guess in your case, like, why do you do this work? Like, why do you love it? Yeah. I would say I'm not a creative person in the sense that I design art and things like that, Mm -hmm. but I'm pretty good at problem solving. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really considered it until it was actually Audrey years ago who had said, oh no, because she said, they were like, oh, how are you creative? I'm like, I'm not really a creative person. And she's like, everybody's creative. And I had, I got thinking, I was like, oh yeah, this is my creativity is being given a problem and saying, okay, how can we solve that? And so I like the working with you know, municipalities and engineers and attorneys to get all of the documents in order and make a community possible. That for me is very interesting. I love it. And you're good at it. You are very good mm-hmm. at it. So I'd like to think so. So that's what I love about it. And so we, we'll keep on doing it until we die. That's kind of <laughs> my thing. It's like, I think God's put us on this planet for a reason, not to do our weak strength, you know, our weak things, but do our strengths. Like yeah. that's the best way we can serve people, not exactly. say, oh, you know what? I don't do this really well, but I'm going to do it anyways, because that's a good job, right? It's right. Secure. Yeah. Right. No, yeah, you're doing what, what you're you lo- love, what you're good at. Yeah. 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 Awesome, guys. Well, appreciate you guys being on and definitely we'll put your website in the show notes as well as Nicole, your contact information as Perfect. well. So people can reach out and uh, definitely it's so great getting to know you even more as every yes. time I get to talk to you guys, I always learn something new and I love that. And I know uh, there's a lot of people that love to get to you, know you guys as well. So uh, appreciate thanks. you being on today. Yeah. Appreciate thanks it. for having us. having us. Yeah. And everybody else, feel free to reach out to them, of course. Like we said, all the comments in the show notes. You can also go to moneyripples.com. This is all transcribed, so you can see it there too. But that's the thing, guys, that this ripple effect is not just about making money, although that's a great way to do it. And trust me, they've got some great options themselves that could actually help you make a lot of money. But ultimately, what this really comes down to, guys, is really helping you It'll create more freedom for yourself and liberate yourself so that you can also be a liberator of others. But guys, go and make it a wonderful and prosperous week. We'll see you later. Thank you. Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now.